Welcome to episode 120 of the Roger Snipe Show. The Roger Snipes Show. Most people think that when you get older, you're supposed to deteriorate and become weaker. It is true that most people's physical prime peaks at around 30 years old. Then we see a low decline in hormones, muscle growth, recovery, and energy levels. Why does our prime end? As we age, damage and stress increase within our bodies. One night of bad sleep in your 20s is very different than when you're in your 30s, 40s, or older. The average man will lose 1% of his muscle mass every year beyond 30, even if they maintain the same diet and exercise routine. Most people say that this is normal and part of aging, but what if you could change that and stay youthful for longer? What if we could take advantage of our experience in life, then combine it with elevated levels of health? We can with Prime. Prime is your ultimate guardian for muscle, strength, recovery, and hormone health. Prime is packed with clinically validated premium ingredients that help build muscle, maintain healthy hormone levels, and keep you in your prime longer. There's no shortcuts here. Prime is a collection of the utmost premium supplemental solutions to keep you at your best or prime for as long as possible. It contains creatine and GAA. Research shows that creatine has important anti-aging effects in vital tissues throughout the body. It enhances mitochondrial functions which helps reduce aging. It also has GAA, which is a precursor to creatine that converts to creatine into our cells. A patented combination leads to higher levels in the muscles and brain compared to monohydrate alone. Tesna, a new natural testosterone booster clinically validated to improve total testosterone levels in young and old males alike. HMB, a gold standard dose of hydroxymethylbutyrate, perhaps the only supplemental ingredient more powerful than creatine for men over 30 by increasing anabolism, which is muscle growth, and inhibiting catabolism, muscle breakdown, leading to better body composition and improved performance benefits. It also has betine anhydrous, zinc citrate, and boron citrate, which all contributes to improved vitamin intake, healthy testosterone production, anabolic hormones, IGF-1, muscular performance, boost in strength, reduced fatigue, and cardiovascular improvement. Check out drinkhrw.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Yo, what's good? Um, what can I say? It's been a minute. So I think the last episode which I posted was in February. It's now May. And before that, <laughs> it was several, several months. So I've been extremely busy, as many of you probably know. I'm sure you've seen on social media. I've got myself involved in acting. So I've been doing lots of training and, um, you know, a little bit of traveling here and there and obviously focusing on my content creation as well as coaching. So my time has been just taken up so much. And I'll be honest with you, podcasts just started as a hobby. And, you know, because for me, I love podcasts myself. I listen to them all the time. And I thought, let me just set something up myself to discuss topics which I find interesting. And I know a lot of interesting people. So perhaps I can just sit down with them, ask them lots of questions and yeah, just share it with the world. And then um, yeah, life just got busier and busier. And I thought to myself, let me just do this in a in um, get back to this in a few weeks. And then it was like, okay, maybe a few months. <laughs> and then before you knew it, it's about a year that's gone by. Um, so I'm going to try my best to keep on top of it. I'm going to I'm going to start to reach out to more people for more interviews. And if you guys have any suggestions of people you'd like me to talk to, then let me know. Um, I'm going to, there's there's some interesting people that I'd like to speak to. 
you know, people who have very different backgrounds. Obviously, I look for things to help people become empowered or um, just kind of getting people to look at things at a different perspective. You know, we do tend to have our own biased viewpoints um, depending on our experiences from life. And um, it's it's good when someone else can offer us another viewpoint to, um, I guess, expand our mind a bit. So, yeah. So bear with me. <laughs> I do have some other interviews which had been resting, laying dormant for a very long time and I should have posted them. Uh, or should I say publish them? But um, yeah, I was just like super busy. But yeah, I'm going to get back to it. And um, first person who I'm going to be talking to today is someone someone who goes by the name of Dr. Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen. Um, this podcast was recorded such a long time ago. I know that we were covering many things on his book um, things on his book and everything that is brain related, all to do with brain health and what you can do to optimize your brain health, whether it's food or lifestyle. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I can't remember the discussion because it was a long time ago, so I can't really give you a, a little uh, briefing or synopsis on the discussion. But what I can tell you is that it will be very, very interesting. So... Let's bring on Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, how you doing, my friend? I am happy today. Happy to talk to you. Oh, I'm super excited and um First of all, I've got to say congrats on the book, uh, which I can see slightly behind you. You happier. Um, when did this book come out? Um, actually, it comes out March 22nd. Uh, okay. So brand new and the world needs it more than ever. So what made you decide to write this book? Um, so when I was thinking about it, I came to realize that because of the pandemic, depression had doubled in children and tripled in adults. And we are the unhappiest we have been since the Great Depression. And now with the war in Ukraine, it's getting worse. Yet there is a neuroscience to happiness and we can be happy even when it seems like the world is crumbling around us. And there are a lot of books on happiness, but none of them have the foundational secret of happiness, which is the physical health of your brain. And none of them have that happiness really needs to be geared to your brain type. And I thought, well, I could be happier, so let's study it. This podcast is brought to you by Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium is one of the most essential minerals required by the body. The problem with what we have today is that much of our soil are destroyed, which means deficiency in much of the food which we buy. The level of stress in modern society is more too, which means magnesium depletion in our body. Overall, a large majority of the population is deficient in magnesium and they wouldn't even know. Some common symptoms of low magnesium are fatigue, tiredness for no logical reason, digestive issues, muscle cramps, weak pumps when training, irregular heartbeat, just to name a few. Magnesium Breakthrough has seven blends of magnesium with a precursor to increase chances of absorption. To get your hands on these high quality supplements, 
visit buyoptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. That website link again is buyoptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. That is, yeah, yeah. I think um, the brain itself is such a complex bit of machinery. Um, <laughs> I'm 43 years old and I'm still trying to figure it out. I think I'm way off mark, but I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Um, I know in the book you'd mentioned that there were different brain types. Um, how many different brain types are there? And how does a person distinguish what they are so that they can work it to the best of their ability? So at Amen Clinics, I have 10 clinics across the United States, we do brain imaging work. And one of the first lessons I learned was that all psychiatric disorders, anxiety, depression, ADHD, addictions, even overeating, uh, it's not based on one pattern in the brain. They all had multiple types. And then as I was thinking about personality, it's like based on brain function, we all have different personality types. And there are five primary types, balanced, most anything will make you happy, spontaneous, you need novelty, you love surprises and hate routine, persistent, where you hate surprises and love routine, um, sensitive, and the pandemic was just a disaster for them because they need connection, and cautious, which um, they'll never jump out of an airplane unless it was on fire. And so a lot of books on happiness go, oh, well, we need novelty and we need purpose and we need to laugh. And it's like, no, it depends on the type of brain you have. What make me happy might make my wife miserable. And if I don't know that, I might do things that I think makes her happy and completely mess up the relationship. So knowing your type and their combinations of types, which is why there's 16 total types, uh, is, is just so helpful. And in the book, I give people a link so they can know their type. Right, right, right. Because, like you, yeah, because when you, when you talk about the types, I'm thinking, yeah, there are, I'm thinking, yeah, I might have a few of those. You know, it's not going to be one. So with that information, people will be able to, I guess, make more... Um, tailored decisions and understand why they feel a certain way and operate a certain way and they don't feel confused, I'm assuming. Well, and the book is based on around these seven secrets and seven questions. And, you know, secret number one is know your brain type because happiness is different for everyone. And the question is, am I doing something today? that makes me uniquely happy. And too often people are waiting for the big moments of happiness when they get married, when they have a baby, um, when they graduate from school, when they get a research award. And it's the wrong way to look at it. It's you want to really, if you want to be happy, you want to look for the micro moments of happiness. It's like, what's the smallest thing today? that makes me uniquely happy. And, you know, whether it's with my family or with what I eat or walking in nature, it's one of the things that makes me uniquely happy. And you need to ask yourself every day. And, and I start the book with this idea that was actually foreign to me before I wrote the book. Uh, happiness is a moral obligation. So I grew up Roman Catholic, went to Catholic school, um, was an altar boy, and I can guarantee you that idea that happiness is a moral obligation was hiding. It was nowhere to be found. But why do I say that? 
it's because of how you and your moods affect other people. So if you've ever been raised by an unhappy parent or married to an unhappy spouse or raising an unhappy child, I guarantee you those people will tell you that happiness is an ethical issue. And so if it's not fluff, it's serious, um, well, what helps? And hedonism, which too many people mistake for happiness, hedonism is the enemy of happiness because it wears out your pleasure centers and ultimately you need more and more of something in order to feel anything at all. And so many people want fame, uh, but fame is actually bad for the brain. I've been blessed to be Justin Bieber's doctor and Miley Cyrus's doctor, and I can guarantee you that's a tricky thing. Wow. That's interesting. Have you found, because you've worked with quite a few famous people, have you found that many of them undergo a lot of depression um, or anxiety? Um, and is, is there like a commonality between them? Um, yes. Now, you know, I have a skewed sample of famous people, right? Because it's like the people that come see me yeah, are yeah, generally struggling. But secret number five is master your mind and gain psychological distance from the noise in your head. And I talk about killing the ants, the automatic negative thoughts that steal your happiness. And the common thought among, and I've seen multiple gold medal winners, Olympians, I've seen Hall of Fame artists, and their mother thought, is I'm not enough. And I'm like, if you're not enough, nobody's got a chance, right? <laughs> yeah. I've seen supermodels and I'm not pretty enough. And I'm like, yeah. And you know, I teach people, you never want to be the best because if you are the best, then you have to be better than other people. And that's a prescription for unhappiness. If you want to be your best, that's a prescription for happiness because then you can help other people be their best too. And connection is foundational to happiness if you're human, not so much if you're a polar bear. <laughs> that is, that's amazing. That makes so much sense. It really does. Um, that's so cool. I think you also mentioned about the seven um, neurotransmitters of a happy brain. Could you explain what they are and how they work for each individual? So they're very interesting. So, you know, when people think of happiness, they think of dopamine. It's the chemical of cocaine it's what gives you that oh i love this when you just fall in love with someone and you can't stop thinking about them it's dopamine it's the molecule of more it makes you want to do it again um and when we have a dopamine deficit disorder, it often goes along with people who have ADD or ADHD, where they have trouble focusing, they don't follow through, their motivation might not be great or consistent. Uh, so dopamine's very important. Uh, and that's why novelty makes a lot of people um, interested and happy because when something's new or novel, it increases dopamine. And then there's serotonin, which is the molecule of respect, which is why when we feel disrespected, we can actually get depressed. Uh, a lot of the antidepressant medications raise serotonin. Um, and then there's GABA, which sort of calms things down. A lot of people have low levels of GABA. I think of all of them, the most interesting is oxytocin and oxytocin is the bonding or the cuddle hormone it's what connects us to other people 
Um, it goes up dramatically after you have sex. It goes up after a woman has a baby. It goes up when you hold hands or get eye contact. But oxytocin, like all of these chemicals, have a dark side. And it bonds us to our group, and it makes us afraid of people who are outside of our group. So I actually think it's involved in racism, and it's involved in the political divide that we're experiencing in the US. Um, if you're not part of my group, then I'm afraid of you. And it's chemical. Uh, and, you know, very few people talk about this or, or know this. Uh, it's why, I, I don't know, the equivalent in the UK would be soccer teams. But in the US, Red Sox fans from Boston hate the Yankees from New York. There's actually a book called Red Sox fans are from Mars, Yankee fans are from Uranus, <laughs> which is just a, a funny ploy. But it's like if you're not part of our group, we don't like you. And this is very important because, you know, I've done work for 30 years outside of the norm for my colleagues and for a while, long while I got rejected from my colleagues. And I understand why people don't innovate, why they don't do new things, because you'll get ostracized. And hell is described by many theologians as separation from God. Hell on earth is separation from your colleagues because you know this bonding and connection is what helped us survive as a species as a group we can survive the lions and tigers uh but it's also why people don't sort of go outside the box because they worry they'll get rejected well, sorry what what causes people to do that you said it, you, it, it's something about stem from racism but i'm just trying to understand because you do get that. And I'm just wondering why are people not more welcoming to others in, I don't know, a new workplace, someone new steps in, hmm, for some reason they dislike them. Why? You don't even know this person. Kids are like it quite strongly if someone is there that, I don't know, you can't play with us. Like, why do we do that? Because of oxytocin. We see them as outside of our group. So think of a mama bear situation that when you're bonded to your cub and anybody comes in your sphere that you think might be threatening, you become very aggressive. So this is the dark side of oxytocin. We get bonded to the people we're with and, then, and we don't know this. None of this is conscious. Um, we get suspicious of people who are a different color, sometimes a different sex, sometimes you came from the outside. Um, so the chemicals of happiness have a dark side. For example, dopamine uh, can cause you to become addicted. Uh, serotonin can cause you to get depressed. Uh, you know, there's also endorphins and cortisol, but um, I, I just found in my research that oxytocin was so interesting. <laughs> it, it sounds really fascinating, to be honest with you. I'd only ever heard good things about oxytocin, you know. Right. Um, yeah, no, me too. And then uh, when I started reading about the dark side, because why, just because someone is a different color than yeah. you, would we have an opinion when 99.99% of our genetic code is the same? And so, so you have to ask yourself why, you know, is it cultural? Maybe, but it could also be biological. And I, I think it just helps me be suspicious of my own motivations. It's like, okay, 
what's real. And in the book, I talk about how I'm not really a fan of positive thinking. I'm a fan of accurate thinking. And it just helps you question your own motivations. Yeah. I think some people do try and force it upon themselves, almost lie to themselves to feel a certain way. You know, I think there's so many different versions of that, like fake it till you make it and, you know, um, just positive affirmations, just keep saying it over and over and over again until you are convinced and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I think it's all seven of these big ideas. It's know your brain type. The second one is get your brain right. The physical functioning of your brain is associated with happiness. I did a study on 500 consecutive new patients, Stamen Clinics. We gave them the Oxford Happiness Questionnaire. And we looked at the brain scans of people who had high levels of happiness and low levels of happiness and low levels of happiness with lower blood flow to the front part of your brain. And this is why you shouldn't let people hit soccer balls with their head or play tackle football, because you damage the front part of your brain. You damage your ability to be happy. And nobody's talking about brain function. Happiness is a brain function. Get your brain healthy you're more likely to be happy that is really interesting stuff <laughs> really mm. um would you what would you say from the scans that you've done on brains um have you done any which where people have with different types of oh, okay let me find a way of how i could word this um with the type of scans that you've done what drugs have you seen was the worst on a brain? Inhalants, generally, so puffers. Uh, people who are inhaling gasoline fumes or organic solvents, really bad for the brain. Opiates are not good for the brain. Alcohol is clearly not a health food. I published a study on 62,000 scans looking at how the brain ages. I think it's the world's largest brain imaging study. And marijuana prematurely aged the brain three years. It was one of the worst things. It was actually worse than smoking, worse than alcohol. And, you know, I always get lots of grief when I talk about that, but I don't have a dog in the fight. That's just what the research showed. Um, you know, I'll probably make more money if you smoke pot because you're just more likely to come see me. Uh, so <laughs> it, it just always triggers people to get mad at me. But, you know, know the truth. The truth will set you free. Marijuana is not good, especially for developing brains. What, younger what, teenagers or something or? Yeah. Yeah. Kids who... Um, use marijuana as teenagers in their 20s they have a higher risk of anxiety depression and suicide mm, right right I'm, I'm i can't wait for people to listen to this i know so many weed smokers then they're like oh it helps me to think it's good and i'm like it is not thank you um and it's one of the worst you say yeah it's one of the worst as far as prematurely aging the Prem brain Aging the brain. So what does it mean for if your brain is aging? What does it mean for you in the long term? Like Alzheimer's quicker <laughs> or anything or what? Yes, that you're going to drop words. You're going to have decisions that are not as good as they could be. Um, you'll have a higher risk of dementia. So, and we already, all of us, if you live to 85, um, you have a 50% chance of being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or another form of dementia. And I'm 67. I hate those odds. Yeah. But I can't start thinking about my brain when I'm 82. I, I need to start thinking about my brain when I'm a teenager, if I really want to keep my brain healthy. But 
whatever your age, now is the time to get serious. And oh, by the way, being happy decreases your risk for dementia. Depression in women doubles the risk for Alzheimer's disease. Depression in men quadruples the risk of Alzheimer's disease. So we're not just talking about, well, it'd be nice to be happier. It's do you want to save your brain? Being happier is with the strategies I give is a good idea. Are there any kind of um, technology where you can stimulate certain um, parts of the brain, like um, uh, send currents to the brain? Uh, is there is there any kind of biohack that way where you can put a, a hat on your head and then be like, okay, let's uh, upgrade the happiness, you know, raise up the serotonin a bit and dopamine, and you just put coordinates in and or whatever and then just send some signals. Is there a way of doing that? Or maybe even in your clinic, is there a way of superficially creating it without food? Or so yes, there's a lot of technology. A lot of people are thinking about ways to stimulate the brain to treat depression or increase happiness. There's something called transcranial magnetic stimulation using powerful magnetic fields, especially over the left front side of the brain. The left side for most people is the happy side of the brain. The right side sees trouble. <laughs> So um, that's actually been found to be a treatment for depression. There's also infrared light therapy that has been shown to be stimulating uh, and reparative for brain function. Other technologies like music and um, neurofeedback can be helpful as well. One of my favorite is hyperbaric oxygen because hyperbaric oxygen therapy increases blood flow to the brain. Right. Okay. Okay. I've recently started doing that. I've, I've been, I think, two weeks in a row. I think I'll, I'll start going a bit more often then. <laughs> um, why, why, why do people go for processed food like what's what if people understand or well, people might not but like most people understand that it leaves them feeling a bit crap and it affects their mental state um why do you think people continue to do it even though they feel rubbish what's what's going on there in their mind in their brain well they're addicted to it the food companies know how to addict you to foods that are not good for you. You know, it's the sugar and um, sugar substitutes that they put in it that make it uh, work on the heroin centers of your brain. And so even though you might not want to, you go back over and over again. Um, I really see the food industry as um, providing weapons of mass destruction. I actually don't think ISIS has anything on our food industry. That the real weapons of mass destruction are highly processed, pesticide sprayed, high glycemic, low fiber food-like substances stored in plastic containers. So here in America, we have exported the standard American diet, SAD, and you know, 70% of, 72% of Americans are overweight. 42% of Americans are obese. I published three studies that show as your weight goes up, the actual physical size and function of your brain goes down, which should scare the fat of anyone. And in secret number two, I talk about if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. If you're overweight, you automatically have seven of the 11 risk factors. And secret number four is only love food that loves you back, that you're in a relationship 
with food. And Roger, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad relationship, but I have. I was married for 20 years to somebody who didn't like me very much. Wow. And it was it was awful. And I'm persistent, so that's not always a good thing. And um, and I'm damn sure not going to do it with food. <laughs> you know, I am only going to love food that loves me back, right? I'm married now to my best friend, and we have a great relationship. And when I eat something, I want it to serve my health, not steal from my help. Yeah. Mm. I read a book called the, what's it called? The Dorito Effect. Have you read that one? I've not, but I understand the Dorito Effect. Why? They hire neuroscientists to get the right crunchiness, the right meltiness, the right saltiness. Uh, it, it triggers the bliss point in your brain and you just love it and you want it over and over again. So these foods with the combinations work on dopamine to like go, oh, whoa, I like that more. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, you know, and I talk about in the beginning of the book, the lies of happiness, like Coca-Cola's slogan is open happiness. And no, that's not what it does. It opens illness. It opens depression. It opens obesity. It opens diet. You open diabetes, but that would be bad marketing, right? I mean, nobody would buy that open obesity. Um, <laughs> Or happy meals. They're not happy meals. They're sad meals. They're chronic illness meals. Uh, but you can't talk about that or people, you know, try to put a hit out on you. I know, I know. It's crazy. Um, I think I'm, I'm very intuitive with the food that I eat. And sometimes... Um, you know, if, 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 if it's a day, I call it sin food, people might call it cheat meals. I'll have a day where I know it, I'm not eating it for its nutritional value. It's a, it's just going to be for fun. Um, but I'm fully aware of if I eat, eat something and shortly afterwards, I feel hungry. I feel hungry again. And I know I've eaten enough. It, it still amazes me now. I'm like, okay, I know exactly what's going on here. Just look for an alternative to eat if necessary, or just kind of like starve that fake hunger, you know, but it's good. It's good to be aware of it because a lot of people are not, um, and they will just kind of follow the signs of eat more, eat more. And, um, yeah, it's a bit of a spiral there. I just thought I'd share that bit of experience. Um, I also wanted to ask you, I think in your book, you mentioned about, um, Anything that damages blood vessels also damages the brain. Um, and it starves it from the nutrients it needs, did you say? No? Okay, maybe, maybe I read that somewhere else. Sorry. I don't know what that is. Um, right, so anything that damages blood vessels um, also nutrients of going to the brain, like low blood flow to the brain. Oh, well, I must have read that somewhere else and um, maybe one is... No, I'm to... sorry, something happened in my headphones. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, it was ringing. It wasn't my phone. I don't know what happened. So the question is about blood vessels. Blood vessels, yeah. Um, it's a great question, damaged. Roger, because what I understand is brain cells don't age. It's our blood vessels that age. Mm -hmm. And whatever we can do to keep our blood vessels healthy, you want to do it. If you want to not age, you have to exercise. You need to, if you have heart problems or high blood pressure, you have to take care of that. It's absolutely essential. Um, beets, ginkgo, cayenne pepper, oregano, uh, rosemary have all been shown to help support healthy blood flow. And I read a study that really disturbed me. 
40% of 40-year-olds have erectile dysfunction. If you have blood flow problems anywhere, it likely means they're everywhere, right. which means 40% of 40-year-olds have brain dysfunction. 70% of 70-year-olds have erectile dysfunction, which means that 70% of 70-year-olds have brain dysfunction. And so keeping your blood vessels healthy is good for your sex life, and it's good for your cognitive life. So there's a whole bunch of benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can lead to like um, ADD and schizophrenia, I think I've read. Low blood flows associated with ADD, with schizophrenia, with depression and dementia. So this is why exercise is so important and why not being overweight is critical to your overall health. Yeah. What would you say is the best foods to restore brain function um, faster if it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, mm, you have lots of brain fog, not really, it's just not clean and functioning well. Um, so I would, the first thing I, I would do is find foods you love that love you back. And so colorful fruits and vegetables, three times more vegetables than fruit. And get as many different colors as you can because they have plant medicines or phytonutrients. Foods high in omega-3 fatty acids. So fatty fish, avocados, nuts and seeds, green leafy vegetables are just loaded with nutrients that uh humans need um so I i'm not a fan of dairy i'm not a fan of gluten um, there's an interesting study from the mayo clinic that people who had primarily a simple carbohydrate based diet bread pasta potatoes rice sugar fruit juice had a 400 percent increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. But people who had primarily a fat-based diet had a 42% less risk of Alzheimer's disease. So I'm a fan, kill the sugar and the foods that quickly turn to sugar, colorful fruits and vegetables, high quality, uh, sustainable, very important protein and healthy fat, and then cook a lot with herbs and spices like garlic and oregano, rosemary. My favorite of the bunch is saffron because saffron has medicinal qualities to boost your mood, help you sexually, help you with your memory. And I'm like, mood, sex, and memory. I'm gonna take saffron <laughs> every day. Yeah, yeah. So um, you've got some people uh, around the world that probably eat a lot more carbohydrates, not just, you know, the standard American diet, but um, I don't know, like Mediterranean, it's quite carb rich, isn't it? But just Well, I'm Lebanese, my heritage is Lebanese, and it can be with the rice dishes, but they have great salads uh, and soups that can be really healthy for people. So it's the choices that you make. And here in the US, we supersize everything. Um, and, and that's a problem. Uh, you know, calories really do matter. I mean, the quality of your calories matter more. But you know, the quantity matters. And in other countries that maybe eat more carbohydrates, they don't eat the same portions that we do right yeah yeah <laughs> i've been to the us and it's mad <laughs> there's so much artificial ingredients as well like i'd see the same bar and on the back of it will say also artificial ingredients and i'll be like but why like why um yeah wild because it goes to the bliss point that's why 
is they combine enough ingredients to turn dopamine on in your brain so you will not just want it once you will want to be a repeat customer it's insidious yeah um high fructose corn syrup um what's your thoughts on that and how it affects the brain well you know i'm just not a fan of any sugar and that just happens to be stronger but you know whether it's organic cane crystals or concentrated fruit juice or high fructose corn syrup they're all addictive uh, pro-inflammatory and uh, will make you sick so you, i'm not really a fan of any of them would you say they are very similar to each other like uh, i would yeah right and one of the worst things is actually people doing something they think is helpful. So I wanna get my child fruit, so I'll give them orange juice in the morning. But whenever you unwrap fructose, fruit sugar, from its fiber source, it actually turns toxic in your body. And so, you, you know, for years, I, I thought I was a good dad because I'd give my kids apple juice in their lunchbox and now i realize you know i was an uninformed dad mm. that you know that is not a good good drink for them <laughs> mad i mean you live and you learn it's difficult it's so difficult especially kids are so picky as well but uh, i don't want that uh, i like that but i don't want that it's like mate just 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 eat that or just drink it um, well, you know, they won't starve. And I think if you don't buy them crap, they'll get used to the healthy food you have. Exposure equals preference. But the problem is baby food is loaded with sugar and we prime the little kids to be sick. We prime them to crave sugar and then parents, because they don't realize your job is not to be your child's friend, your job is to be their frontal lobes until theirs develop, not until they're in their 20s. And, you know, I have total control over the money spent in my house. Um, and it's like, we don't buy bad food. We don't buy bad food because we care about you. So. If you want a Snickers bar, you got to use your own money. Mm, mm. What sort of foods do you reckon is good for young kids uh, for their developing brains? Would you say exactly the same as adults? Or I guess their, their preference might be slightly different. What, what Maybe energy requirements for the brain could be different as well. Well, their that? brain is undergoing wild development. And high fat diets, healthy fat diets are really great for developing brains. Mm -hmm. So avocados, nuts and seeds, uh, fish. My daughter who's 18 um, just loved raw fish when she was little. And I was just so happy about that because um, it was great for her brain. Mm. Would that be okay to put in like a smoothie, like nuts in a smoothie? Or... It would be. Yeah. That's actually a great way. I start every day with a smoothie and I make it uh, for my wife and kids. And it's, you know, you can make it delicious and put all sorts of nutrients in it. Mm, mm. Some people believe that if you mix um, certain macronutrients together it's uh it's not too good for blood sugar levels and stuff but this is more nutrition and not exactly directly for the brain but i guess i don't really need to talk much into that um what's your thoughts on microdosing and the brain there's lots of i don't know biohackers that believe that microdosing on LSD or smart drugs are okay for the brain. Uh, do you have any studies uh, on small doses of some sort of drug? Yeah, I'm not a fan. 
I mean, they used to put cocaine in Coca-Cola until they realized that was really a bad thing. Uh, we've gone through fads uh, a lot ever since I've been a psychiatrist. And, uh, you know, it's like, let's do the simple things first. Let's get your diet right. Let's get you to exercise. Let's get you to not believe every stupid thing you think. Let's get you focused on what you really want and your relationships, work, money, physical, emotional, spiritual health. Let's do the right things because microdosing upsets many people's brains. You know, we see the fallout of that at Amen Clinics. And so um, it's, it's still in its infancy. You know, most places here in the United States, it's illegal, which means it's not been thoroughly studied and people will have opinions and stories on people who've been helped, but they often won't tell you about the people who've been hurt. I'm going to have to run in just a second, but okay. such a joy to be with you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's, um, it's been amazing. Um, where can people find you? And your book is going to be available, you said the 22nd, is that right? So March 22nd, uh, people can actually, there's all sorts of bonuses if they pre-order or order the book in the first week um, at youhappier.com. Um, and including they'll get a bottle of Happy Saffron, my favorite supplement. Um, <laughs> and they can follow me on TikTok or Instagram or learn about our clinics at Amen, like the last word in a prayer, clinics.com. Fantastic. Dr. Amen, thank you very much for your golden, amazing information which you provided. And I hope we get to talk again at some point soon. I look forward to it, Roger. Thank take you care. Very much. You take care. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Roger Snipe Show podcast. It is my goal to find incredible guests who have extraordinary stories or advice. Education is key. The more we learn, the more we can also teach. It's also about remaining curious and hungry for knowledge to progress. All sponsored ads and affiliations are from only reputable brands or companies which I have personally vetted and trust. Please take advantage of these codes and subscriptions to increase savings on all products. If you get a moment, I would greatly appreciate a review as this helps to increase visibility and allows me to share with more amazing people just like you. Be phenomenal and stay blessed.